one. Yes, and uh, now it's recording. Feel free to introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name's Rhiannon, and I'm here because I've had a pretty interesting life story I thought I would share in case anybody's going through the same thing that I am. Well, um, thank you for uh, joining us today, uh, Rianon. I'm uh, very curious. Now, um, I suppose when we're talking about somebody's uh, life story, the, the point to begin is, I guess, youth or childhood, would you suppose that's where we should start? Or, uh, Well, incidentally, it started when, even before I was born, um, my mother had me very young. She was a teenager. Um, I don't know why I know this, but she found out she was pregnant with me when she was six months along and she panicked and she tried to end the pregnancy and she was told that she was too far along and, you know, basically she was forced to have me. Mm -hmm. So that was a rough start to my life right there. <laughs> um, and then growing up, um, mm -hmm. You know, back in the 80s, you know, they had to work two and three jobs, my parents, just to make the rent and the bills and whatnot. So as a child, my father's dad was the one that was babysitting me most of the time. Um, and that's very unfortunate because my father's brother and his father both sexually molested me for several years. So um, first of all... It was so it wasn't uh, not a planned pregnancy, so it was accidental, mm -hmm. I, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She was 16 going on 17, so and the second thing you brought up, well, that's where uh, uh how old were you at, at that age, I suppose? Because, uh, um, as far back as I remember, I was it started around the age four. Oh my god, that's really, really early in your life. Yeah, I mean, it could have been sooner than that, but I don't think you st really start, like, gaining memories until that age, from wow. what I understand. That's, mm -hmm. that's really dark, man. Yeah, and I, I remembered it going up until, like, age 10, mm -hmm. and the reason why it slowed down was because my sister had turned four at that time, and it started happening to her. Mm -hmm. So I guess I was... <laughs> no longer needed and then you know he our grandfather shifted his focus onto her and you know that's when I started getting really guilty and depressed about it I said you know this doesn't feel right I knew it wasn't right but you know the wow. way that this man would do this thing is he would like threaten me and say you know if you ever say anything to anyone you know, mm -hmm. people will take you away and you won't see your parents anymore. They're not going to believe you. And, you know, when you're told that constantly, you believe it because you're a child, an impressionable child. That's so extreme, though. Did you yeah. do, do you? So um, I, I can't really remember much from the age of four. Do you uh, as an adult rem at least remember parts of that, that experience or? Yeah, I remember that's that. Unfortunately, that's what I remember most of my childhood, more than like the happy times. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's that's the thing so with the yeah. That's the thing with memory. I think memory is. I think it's attached to emotion, and um, you know, very emotional experiences we tend to remember them more vividly, especially yeah. negative ones, which sucks. But I was curious because you know, 
that's a really really young age and mm -hmm. I, i was just questioning how how would that um affect somebody growing up like would you forget most of it or would you uh, no it actually ate away at me for a long time like and the more i would think about it because you know once i got older i knew it was happening to my baby sister like my mm -hmm. grades started failing i was doing bad in school um i think i was around 12 or 13 when he finally passed away and mm -hmm. that's when i confided in a guidance counselor you know this is what's happening this is why i'm doing so poorly and she was like yeah either you have to tell your parents or we're gonna you know have to have the authorities tell your parents so i went home that night and wrote them a letter which was like the hardest thing i ever had to do mm -hmm. um i i sat in my room like having a panic attack waiting for them to read it mm -hmm. and i remember my mom bugged out <coughs> and she was super upset and you know my dad because that was his father he was in denial at first screaming not my father not my father and like the, that that was like very traumatizing to me too like being afraid that they weren't going to believe me yeah yeah but um i guess that I guess, was just really a raw emotional response because it's, it's hard to you know accept the fact that you know something yeah, like this has gone yeah. down Yeah, because my father told me that when he was younger, one of his father's friends tried to touch him inappropriately and his dad like really beat him up pretty bad over that. So he, you know, he never would have guessed that his dad would ever do something like that because he protected him from someone else. Yeah. So go figure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so from the point when you were growing up, right, I imagine you were very reluctant to, to share this info, you know, because, uh, well, what made you share it with the, the counselor in the first place? What changed your mind? Um, once he had passed away and I was a little bit older and realized like, hey, nobody's going to come take me away. And, you know, my my you know that's when like depression hit and I was doing really bad in school the school counselor actually pulled me in and was like look you know what's going on with you you used to be a straight A student and now you're getting all C's and D's and I literally just broke down and cried and told her I was like hey you know I've had this on my mind for quite some time now and the guilt that I held inside knowing that it happened to my sister over you know it was overwhelming other than the guilt that it had happened to me because i feel i should have done something for her yeah to stop were, that you were too young i guess to yeah rationalize what to do you know it's a difficult yeah. decision to make i think even some okay. adults even some adults don't know how to deal with situations like that let alone children so yeah um, i guess i understand that part but yeah Yeah, like every time, you know, I would see her being led down the hallway to the bathroom, I knew what was going on and it just, it killed me inside. And as adults now, like we're like the way we, the way we turned out because of it, like she's a very angry person now. Like she's gotten into physical altercations and she's just a mean, nasty kid most of the time. And, you know, I, I, I just became like this depressed mess. So it's amazing how people handle that happening to them growing up like i know some people turn to substance abuse some people overeat like they eat their feelings um it's just weird how her and i were like polar opposites with how 
you know, it had molded us into adults. Was it was it a relief to share it? It was. It was good getting it off my chest for sure. I was just terrified to tell my parents. But, yeah. you know, the next day after that, I came home from school and my dad, you know, left me a bouquet of flowers on my bed and a card. And he apologized and said he believed me 100%. And, you know, that, that made it feel a little bit better. Yeah, I guess maybe yeah. he regretted his reaction to, I guess, in hindsight. Yeah, and um, the kicker of it all was towards the end of his life, he was really sick and wheelchair-bound. And my mother was a nurse at the time, and she would offer her time for free to help, you know, with his wound care. <laughs> and he would always say, like, what do I owe you? What do I owe you? And she's like, I don't want anything. I just want you to help you know, my girls get through college because he had a lot of money and he had a lot of property that he was selling, mm -hmm. which was worth over a million dollars. And he's like, oh, you got it. You got it. And the messed up part was when we went to go do the will hearing, he took me, my sister and my dad completely out of the will and left us nothing. What makes you think he did that? Because uh, when we went to the will, because the original will had us in it and then the revised will we were all taken out hmm. yeah what, don't know why do you think then mel maybe how how old was he when he passed away do you think it could have been he was, he it... was only in his 60s so i'm the reason i asked because i was wondering if if it could be something like dementia but or not mm -mm. or just a conscious decision That's right. He died of di complications of diabetes and COPD. Like he was still there, like mentally. Mm -hmm. So that was all like, like a slap in our face. Like, hey, like you did this to us growing up, and then you left us with nothing. Not that I really wanted anything from him, but it was just another slap in the face. <laughs> hmm. That's so so strange, though. Yeah, it is very strange. Yep, very unforgivable. But that's that's a, that's only the start of <laughs> this wonderful thing I call my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, then comes teenage years. I met someone who I ended up marrying. Um, in the beginning of our relationship, I had gotten pregnant. And I've, you know, live and let live, but I've always been pro-life. Um I was happy. I was excited. I was only 20 years old, but, you know, I, I always wanted to be a mom. And this man who, you know, I should have ran at the time, but I ended up marrying him and having two children with him. He like completely manipulated me, telling me I'll, I'll kill myself if you have this kid. And I don't I don't I can't do this now. And I was like, hey, like you can pretend you never met me. Like, I won't ask you for a thing. Like, just don't hold that over my conscience and it got to the point where like he smashed his head into, into my car driver door and wow. like, went completely nuts and I was terrified so I went through with it and that still eats me alive to this day too mm -hmm. so but the thing is whatever the decision you make I guess both parties should at least to some extent agree with it although I do think it's more the woman's choice than the man's choice but yeah sounds yeah. like you were kind of your hand was forced that's right yeah it was it was and you know me being young and dumb and naive and 
thought I was in love, but, you know, it turns out I was just, like, being manipulated and love-bombed. I ended up staying with this person for 16 years. But how how old were you when you uh, met this person then? I wonder. I was I was 19, and we got married in 20, 2012, 2013. How, no. how, how old 2012. was How old was he when you met him? He was 20, I was 19. Okay, so you're both the same age. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how did did you meet him through school? Or I'm just wondering, like, uh, I'm just wondering how you ended up meeting a person like that, I suppose. Even though <laughs> even though it's, it's usually not obvious when you meet them, but... Funny, funny. It, this was back when MySpace was big, and we had a lot of mutual friends. Oh, my one of my good friends, yeah, one of my good friends was actually his roommate at the time. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, your friend, I won't say his name. He's so handsome. Like, tell me about him. And and we just started talking and hanging out and it went from there. So, yeah, um, I would like to say that he was the biggest regret of my life, but I do have two amazing children from him. So I can't completely say it was a mistake but he yeah. not a good person not a good person at all very abusive um sexually verbally emotionally mentally financially all of the above so he that man tortured me for a good 15 years and he still continues to do so in the court process which you know <laughs> I, ex I explained earlier before um still still it's it's never ending this is a strange question but mm -hmm. do you think for example what uh, happened to you earlier in life do you think that would have affected who you uh, for example would have dated or do you think it's mm -hmm. or there's no correlation maybe that's absolutely yeah maybe there this is a strange question to ask because in a, in a way i don't want to like put blame on you like oh you you chose this person but on the other hand i'm wondering because sometimes it changes people's judgment right if you go through stuff yes. in, in childhood you don't really yes. know how how to judge people uh, correctly if they're safe or see any red flags you know yes um so i i saw two um cptsd mm -hmm. therapists after the fact and they both said you know what happened to me as a child definitely affected the way I saw people like I became like oh I can fix this person or I can make it better and I always dealt with it because I you know I was attached to them and because I didn't really have those strong attachments when I was younger like you know like I said my parents were young mm -hmm. they never really showed me affection growing up um mm -hmm. I, like I said I was always shipped off to babysitters or school you know I don't ever remember being hugged or kissed or any of that so I craved that Ah, and that, makes, an adult, that, and that makes it easy to take advantage of you right yes yes so at, at first in our relationship he was like all about like calling me and being sweet and and mm. then slowly like started bringing in the abuse and then it would he would cycle back to being nice and then you know mean again so it was like just a cycle like mm -hmm. he would see like things were getting bad so then he would reverse it and you know back it up and do nice things again just to be abusive again wow. so that's why i tolerated it for so long because i guess i held on to that those moments of 
mm-hmm. where I thought I was loved, you know? So do, do, do you think this, um, I mean, when I, if I, if I listen to that pattern of behavior, uh, mm-hmm. I would also assume that, I mean, your partner also had underlying mental health issues or, or do you think it yes. was something more, more calculated or something he couldn't control or? So he he had it rough growing up also. He never knew his biological father and his stepfather was drunk and abusive towards him and his mom. Um, And both the therapists I spoke to about him, they said without actually speaking to him, you know, we can't give him a proper diagnosis, but they were both confident that he had narcissistic personality disorder. He had all the classic traits all the ways, all the things he did and said and treated me and all the cycles of abuse. He, they said he was definitely had narcissistic personality disorder. What, what makes you think, uh, what makes you guys think that it was narcissistic personality disorder? I'm curious. Um, a lot of it was, you know, on the outside, people would see us as like this happy couple. Like he was never mean or abusive like in front of family or friends Mm -hmm. but then once the doors closed like the light switch flipped and he was immediately like explosively abusive Hmm. like the light just switched that quick i think um usually when it comes to narcissists i think they are Mm -hmm. they're usually people who um i believe they derive their self-esteem from their environment because they they don't have any like self-esteem themselves, so they need to mm-hmm. be praised and complimented by others. Absolutely. O- otherwise, they feel worthless. That's mm-hmm. usually that's uh, that's usually narcissism. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear. I guess how maybe in a in a somewhat parallel way, both of you had mm-hmm. childhoods which may have affected you and I guess your relationship. But yeah 16 years that is definitely a long time it is a long time very long time um i'm about to be 38 and we're still not getting along and i'm he's still manipulating and abusing me but the but, thing that took the cake the thing that made me really realize like you know i gotta get out of this relationship i have to leave was back in 2014 um my aunt my uncle and my cousin moved down to Florida with my cousin's son and cousin's son's father. Mm-hmm. And about a month later, we got a call that um, my cousin's son's father had murdered my aunt, uncle, cousin, and my cousin's friend. Whoa. Hang on. Yeah. Y- your, your cousins? Yeah. Yes, my cousin's son's father. Your cousin's son's father. Mm-hmm. And well, that's that seems kind of out of the blue, or uh, I'm confused a little bit because uh... with them it was a sticky situation. Um, my cousin had full custody of her son, but you know she they were moving down to Florida. She didn't want her son to be without a father. So she said, hey, you can come down, get established, but you have to get a job and move out and get your own place so that we can co-parent, whatever. So I guess a month later, she wanted to do her own thing. She had her own friends and he got angry 
And she came home one morning from being out with friends and he had, he put a knife to her throat and was like, where were you all night? And, you know, Tristan, my now adopted brother, her son woke up and that's why, that's when he dropped the knife and left. So she called 911. They came and took a statement. She was under the impression that they were out looking for this man who just threatened her life. And that night he had come back and murdered them all except for Tristan. Wow. Yeah. But the point I'm getting at is when this happened, when I found out this happened, uh, I, I'll, I still remember the phone call to this day. I literally fell to my knees, like nowhere, like just hysterical. And for a period of three months after that, I literally laid in bed and cried myself to sleep nightly because they were my family. I was close to them. Mm. This, my husband come to find out because several women have come forward was downstairs on our kid's bed, sending nudes and sexual videos and having sexual conversations with other women while listening to me upstairs, crying myself to sleep. I understand why that hits, you know, it just shows kind of how selfish his needs are. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yep. Yep. That's so that was, yeah, that was my turning point. That that's when I finally said, you know, how how are you going to sit there and listen to me? Yeah. Cry, cry myself to sleep and not do a thing about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it just goes like he had no empathy for me whatsoever. None. Mm -hmm. I guess it's maybe it's do you think it was like a moment where you saw his uh, true nature? Was it like the, the last straw and you had already known, but you're like, you're now I'm completely fed up or did it change um, your mind a lot? The last. OK, so the last straw. See, what happened was I, I had to stay a little bit after that because I was a stay-at-home mom and I wasn't able to escape at the time. So I decided to put myself back in college and pursue my career. Um, I'm a mortician, by the way. Um, a and mortician? Establish myself. Yes, mortician. <laughs> I deal with death. That's a pretty unusual job. I mean, I don't want to go off on a contingent, but that's also interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of my experiences growing up definitely geared me towards that career. Like I've always, I don't want to say morbid fascination with it because I'm not like creepy about my job at all whatsoever. Like I actually love my job and my career. I empathize with these families that have lost a loved one. You know, I like making the last of their experiences like a good mm -hmm. one and a memorable one. And I absolutely think that that comes from me being such an empath and being so empathetic towards others because you know like as I said as a child I never really had that so mm -hmm. I always wanted to give back understandable yeah yeah yep and um I guess when you met him did it gradually escalate I guess the I guess the abusive behavior or was it just straight there from the beginning and or you and you put up with it um well at, at first you know I found out after the fact that he was a major cheater he was in a band that toured all over and you know I found out after the fact that he cheated on me with several 
several different people um and you know stupid me i i gave him another chance and he was good for a while a long while i want to say maybe a year Mm. no problems um we went away to liverpool on vacation and i had gotten pregnant with my oldest daughter there and things were good things were good things were good she was born things were still good and then we started butting heads because at that time we lived with his mother and she was doing like weird things to wake the baby up to like spend time with her and I spoke up about it. I said, I don't like that. I said, she's a baby. She needs to sleep. Your mom's like literally like thumping the, the, the swing that she's sleeping in to wake her up. And I don't like that. So then that's when we started having issues again. Ah, because there was a Mm -hmm. disagreement over it. Yes. Yes. Yep. So Hmm. then we, we got our own place and that's, you know, it was just us and behind closed doors, things changed. Because there was no one else present? Do you think yes. that's, what, that's what made the difference? Hmm. Yes. That's interesting yep. to think about, though. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. And then came along our second child, and then things really got worse. I guess because he felt he wasn't getting the attention he deserved. And I was like, I have two kids under two. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm busy. I'm exhausted. You come home and you play video games and you don't help me do anything. Wow. So, and he would always use like not me not having sex with him as an excuse to why he was always so mean to me. And I would be like, "Well, that's not how this works." I said, "You you you want me to, you know, want to be intimate with you? You're the one that has to be, you know, loving and nurturing and make me want to do that with you." I shouldn't have to do that for you for you to be nice to me. And he just didn't get that concept through his head. I do. I get the feeling that um, I know that men in general, they tend to be very sexual, but this is definitely like what I think is um, maybe I'm trying to avoid to use the word, the word abnormal, but uh, unusual fixation, fixation on sex, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I'm hearing when you're talking about like uh, cheating or I don't know, sending dick pictures to people while you were grieving yeah. or, or even this. Yeah. Because he wasn't getting any, he had to go seek it elsewhere. But he's also like really centered on it for some reason. That's what that's what, what I feel when you describe this person. Oh, absolutely. And you know, we're not we haven't been together since March of 2020. And come to find out, him and his girlfriend are on like this fetish website. Where- yeah. Oh, um, sorry, I'm not sure why, but your microphone sounds different somehow. It's uh, it's hard to hear you at the moment. Is that better? Yeah. Now I can hear you again. Yeah. Okay. It became really right. faint for a moment. Okay, so yeah, they were my a couple of my friends like sent me screenshots. Like, did you know that your ex and his girlfriend are on this fetish website called FetLife? I was like, no. What is it? And it's like all content of them like having like swinger stuff and threesomes and just really bizarre stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like this this man like 
he's he's got like a, a sexual problem yeah well that's what i'm getting and uh, i i don't think i don't think that anybody who is that sexually active that there's necessarily something wrong with them but it's mm-hmm. definitely it's, it's the aspect of where he just has a total disregard for everything uh, just in favor of his own needs that does sound like yeah hy- hypersexuality and hypersexuality i think is a is a trait of some um what do they call it personality disorders so i'm yes. not trying to be dr phil here hey, i can't diagnose mm-hmm. anyone but that's definitely yeah. like uh, very noticeable i guess yes yes um and i would like to make note also that you know he was very controlling with my life um he never really allowed me to hang out with friends and on the off chance that he did allow me to hang out with a couple of my friends you know we were having fun we had some drinks they drove me home um I did have a little much to drink that night because, you know, at the time I, I wasn't a drinker. I wasn't really allowed to have friends or go out. Mm-hmm. So all I remember is, I don't know how I made it up to my bedroom, but I did. Um, and then I passed out because I had a little too much. Wow. So the next day I woke up and I was like, man, I was like, why, you know, why does my backside hurt so bad? Oh, no. So this guy texts me the next texts me the next day and goes, "Do you remember how I fucked you last night?" I said, "No, no, 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 no. Uh huh. That's yes. so fucked up. Yep. Yes. So I said no. I said all I remember is my head spinning and passing out. And he's like, "Well, guess what? Now you do." Oh my god. Yeah. So that 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 was it for me. I was like, I I can't do this anymore. I was like, now you're sexually assaulting me in my sleep. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely put into evidence with this whole messy divorce. So it's also it's it's also crazy the moment where it's, it kind of sounds like he was bragging about it. Like Oh yeah, absolutely. He thought it was funny. There's a chance that if he if he didn't mention it, you wouldn't have found out, right? But he had to rub it in. That's what it sounds like. Uh-huh. Cuz he knew I didn't know. He he knew that I was unconscious. Yeah. My but god. But then to come and tell me about it and say, "Well, guess what? Now you do." Like that like what? Wow. Yeah. That's really so fucked up, man. I wow. know. And everyone's like, "Why don't you why don't you go to the police with this?" And and it, you know what it's messed up? Like a lot of therapists I talk to about it, they're like, "There's a thin line between spousal rape and I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I said, I, I don't I, care if we're married. He still needs my consent. Yeah, uh, exactly. I don't think there's a difference between rape and spousal rape. That makes no sense. No, it does not. Marry, not marrying someone doesn't person. give you the right to do with them what they want, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Especially no. when they're unconscious. What the hell? Yeah, so that, you know, that's that's another thing that eats me alive and I keep inside me every day like it's just it's so much and you know sometimes like I'm like when when does my life get happy or easy because it's just since the day I was born like I I'm almost 38 I'm pushing 40 like when when does life get fun (laughs) Well, well what I'm hearing is that is not you it's the people in your life for some reason yeah but 
Yeah. I don't know. Either be alone and be my myself or just continue to take chances and hope somebody's not a piece of crap. But it just never seems to turn out that way. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess maybe I'm I'm trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound strange, but Mm -hmm. 16 years is a a long time. And Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder... I guess my question comes down to what made you what made you I guess tolerate it for such a long time? I really didn't want to break my family apart. Like growing up, my mom and dad fought constantly. They always stayed together no matter what, always. Mm-hmm. And I guess that that was instilled in my mind like you're supposed to work it out. You know, you married each other for a reason. You have children. You're supposed to you're going to have bad times and you just, you just, you need to stick it out and it'll get better. It'll get better. And mm-hmm. it just never got better. So there just came a point where I had to say enough is enough. Like I moved back in with my parents, which I'm not proud of, but it was either be homeless and away from him or move back home and be away from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the, the reason that I was wondering is because, uh, mm-hmm. well, people react differently to abuse. And I guess sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes people tend to blame themselves for the actions of others, you know, and that makes them yeah. st- stay with them for, I guess, unreasonably long times. And it's it's hard to break out of the thought pattern. It is. So it is. Um, I never blamed myself. I always knew that it was him that was the monster because he constantly put me down over the, the littlest things. Like when I after I had the kids, I gained some weight and. He would put me down and say, oh, you disgust me how you look, but I love you because you're the mother of our kid. Like, thank you. Wow. Thanks a lot for the compliment. That's, um, that's very deliberate, I think. There's even a term for it. I think they call it like nagging, where you give somebody, yes. where you give somebody like backhanded compliments to sabotage their self-esteem. Yes. Yes. Wow. So that's definitely what he did to me all those years. And, you know, my self-confidence. Mm-hmm your your sound sounds very soft by the way oh yeah that's better okay you know what it is it's because i keep putting my my hand on the bottom of my phone because i broke my right thumb and i have a cast on so i'm holding it with my left my dominant hand so it feels weird had an accident or yeah i fell and caught myself directly on my thumb and i fractured it at the base because you know i'm just a walking disaster oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah this is not related to these incidents i guess but um, no so um okay so to reconstruct this story right Mm -hmm. because we jumped from your i guess your childhood into Mm -hmm. well you were 19 years old and then you, mm-hmm. sh- I guess you shared fragments of what uh, happened afterward to adulthood. Yeah, like I kind of like jumped through to when the abuse really started and then, you know, having a family and mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was many years. But you know what? It's weird because looking back, it doesn't feel like it was that many years spent with that person. It kind of felt like it went by quick, but it really did really? Yeah, in the moments when it was when I was there, it felt like it took forever. But now, like that, I'm gone. Like the time is just flying by. Hmm, that's strange. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I don't know why. I feel like my like 
I feel like just yesterday was the first day of summer and now now we're in the fall I, like my perception of time is like completely off hmm. they do say that um i guess when you're if you're experiencing new experiences mm -hmm. in your memory it will feel like a longer time than when i yeah. guess when it's routine so that's interesting mm -hmm. it could be something yeah. like that maybe yeah. now now you're finally doing a lot of stuff that you wanted to do earlier or new things that are new to you yeah time longer oh yeah that's very true i should add by the way every 40 minutes we have to make a, a new zoom call because i'm using the free version of zoom so okay. um, i'm gonna end this call and i'm gonna uh, start a new one quickly all right we'll be right back okay 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 testing testing and we're back yes hello sorry for the interruption ladies and gentlemen But uh, we're back every 40 minutes. We're supposed to start a new call. All right. Let's continue where we left off. Um, so, okay. you, so you were, I guess, uh, you summarized your um, relationship, I guess. And mm -hmm. how you kind of uh, started to go to the point where the relationship ended. And that's where mm -hmm. we left off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I figured I'd talk about how you know, all of that leading up until now has affected me as a person now today. Um, and I feel like, you know, I would love to heal from all this, but I still. Mm -hmm. Sorry, can you hear that me? Didn't work. Yes, I can hear you. Oh, for a moment, it, uh, it skipped. Yeah. I don't know why it stuttered. But um, okay. you said you wanted to heal from this, but you don't feel like you're you're healed, I guess, or yeah, like I feel like you know, I'm I'm being self self uh, destructive over all of this. Hmm. Well, I think when uh, first of all, I'm not a psychologist, and I know mm -hmm. I know, for example, with therapy, it's impossible to. I guess overcome a lot of the negative thought patterns but I also wonder can you completely heal from experiences like these you know I've, I think a lot of people no. I think a lot of people ca carry at least something with them for the rest of their life I don't know to what extent you can heal from it I guess mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I guess that what I'm trying to say is um, don't ask too much from yourself You know, if don't mm -hmm. demand too much from yourself, because I think it's uh, in a way it's it's okay to think about that you're you know still suffering from it. I think it's I think a lot of people who go through it they suffer from it to some extent for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that sounds rough, but that that is what how it is for most people. I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, the main thing that it's done to me is, like, I cannot form healthy relationships with mm -hmm. normal, nice people. Like, I, I shut them out. I push them away because it's not what I'm used to, and it feels so foreign to me. And I don't really know, like, how to react. Um, so mm -hmm. I just completely ghost them or shut them out or act like I know. It's, it's terrible, and I hate doing it to good people, but it's just this this trait i guess that i've picked up being so used to a certain type of people 
that the complete opposite is like completely alien to me and it just doesn't feel right and i hmm. know that's wrong but i don't know how to cope with that at the same time well do you maybe it's going to require some level of conditioning but mm -hmm. um so how does it feel to you to be with a quote-unquote normal person and what, what are the kind of people that you tend to gravitate to um red flags <laughs> always always to the bad people that i know like are not good for me and that you know you can tell they're like you could just tell by talking to them and their mannerisms and sometimes even just by looking at them like they're not a good person like stay away from them mm -hmm. you know they're a bad influence they have nothing good to bring into your life and you know we end up maintaining a relationship for a little bit but then you know, of course it always goes south because you know they're not a good person and you're just trying to like latch on to them like let me fix you let me save you and then when you have like a nice normal friendship in your life it just it it doesn't feel right so I start doing like awful things and I I hate it what I hate kind it of but things? I don't know like we had a dinner date like completely like ghost them and text them the next day say oh i'm sorry i fell asleep but in truth i wasn't sleeping i was sitting in my room watching netflix and i knew that was hurtful to that person but it's like i knew we were gonna have like a normal healthy conversation and i would feel very awkward because i've never had a normal healthy conversation with a person like it was always like talking to people that you know were abusive and traumatizing and that's just what I was always used to so having like a normal nice like hey how are you what's going on like it it, it would give me panic attacks hmm. so um well but it also just sounds so was it because you wanted to avoid the situation or because you kind of wanted to hurt the other person it's more avoidance. Like, like I said, I don't like hurting anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why I chose the line of work I did, but what's good about work is I can turn off my personal life and go into business mode. Mm -hmm. So I've never had an issue with that. But when it's someone like personal to me, I would never want to hurt them. It's just, I do a lot of avoidance when it comes to that because I don't want to. And a conversation like, like this on this podcast, how does that feel mm -hmm. to you? Well, you know, I know, I know what this is about and it's, you know, I don't know you personally. I've just been following you for a while. Um, I'm perfectly okay with talking about it and sharing my story, but you know, if it was more like a personal setting, I guess not behind a screen, like we were sitting down and talking, I would definitely be like a little more anxious and yeah. like, like, cl like close up and not be willing to share so much. You wouldn't ghost me and watch Netflix or. <laughs> um well the first the first the first few times would be okay but ah. then you know after a little bit it's like you kind of anticipate yeah. some anticipate what the conversation is going to be about and i'm like man i don't really want to have that conversation and next time next yeah. time you have you have a date you should tell them like uh, once in a while you just have to be really mean to me and then uh... <laughs> yeah isn't that sad though yeah, like 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 people like, that like, are mean, like order the worst food that's that's on the menu or something yeah mm. yeah like if someone treats yeah. me like crap like 
I'm going to keep coming back for more. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I, I guess that's just because what I'm used to. But street treating people badly, it comes in many forms. Like it can be neglect. It can be abuse. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of curious because uh, there must be a certain thing, a certain type that you're looking for, right? Like, yeah, it can't just be like, oh, I like bad people. There, what's what's the difference? You know, bad people yeah. come in, come in come in as many forms and shapes as quote unquote good people. There mm -hmm. must be something particular to to your quote unquote type. I think. See, am I wrong? The when. All right, so let me, all right, I'm going to probably get myself in trouble a little bit here, but I don't think anyone I know is going to listen to this. When my children aren't here, I like to drink a lot to numb my life and forget about everything, and that's that's what I do. They're not here half the time, so when they're not here, I sit in my room alone and self-isolate, and I, I drink. I drink alcohol. But then I pick up the phone and get myself into trouble and make plans with people. Yeah, yeah, we can hang out, whatever. And then, you know, the next day, like, I don't even remember doing that. Like, I'll have to scroll back through my messages. And why did I do that? I knew I wasn't going to want to hang out with this person. So that's like another toxic trait, I guess I developed because, you know, being with even when I was with my ex, I would go upstairs once all my chores were done and just completely avoid the world. It, like I would just shut down and just go into like isolation mode. And I find myself still doing that, even though I'm away from him. And I know self-medicating like that is terrible, but I like to just check out once in a while. Like, especially when my kids aren't here, it gets really lonely so I, I look forward to that next drink. And like I said, like, I, I like feeling like numb inside. But my problem is, is that then, you know, oh, I'm pretty lonely. Let me pick up the phone and see what this person's doing. Oh, you want to go do this tomorrow or the next day? And then I end up not even remember saying that. And I oh, I feel so bad doing that to people. But it's, it's it just... sounds it sounds like at least subconsciously you do crave hanging out with someone. The thing mm -hmm. that... Because uh, maybe this could be a conjecture, but from my experience, alcohol tends to make you, I guess, more honest in a way. And yeah. if, you, if you drink and your first impulse is to text people and make plans with them, it means that some, at least some, some level you crave that, I think. I do. I don't like spending my time off mm -hmm. alone in my bedroom. I don't. Like, mm -hmm. I want to go out and do fun things and experience things. But like I said, like, I have such unhealthy attachment issues that mm. I just feel uncomfortable being around people that are nice to me. And I, I don't, I, I, I hate it. And I, I, I can't seem to just get away from that. Mm. But since you at least recognize that about yourself, I guess, mm. um, I wonder if it would help if you guess tell people about it and maybe mm -hmm. they can be more accommodating in a way because you know at some level i think i think you should be able to condition yourself i guess to 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 form more healthy ways to communicate with people right yeah it surely yeah. it surely can't be that like this is a chronic thing you're going to have for the rest of your life i mm -hmm. pers personally I, I don't think i don't think so 
I think that this is, I mean, um, hey, again, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what people are capable of and in what situations, mm-hmm. but my impression of you yeah. is that you're not someone who is like, you know, stuck to this forever. You can adapt, you can learn, you can relearn human interaction. The mm-hmm. way it's supposed yeah. To. And, you know, you know, <laughs> I, I still have a lot on my mind. Like I was out of work all summer for an emergency surgery and I didn't get paid that whole time. So haven't been able to pay my bills, which has really been bringing me down. Um, mm-hmm. This whole divorce thing and custody thing that's, you know, that's been on my mind heavy lately. So I have been neglecting people a lot. And I think maybe just maybe once this is all said and done, I can breathe again and try to come up with a plan for myself to have, you know, work on more healthy relationships with people. Cause I would like to. Do you think it's also because you're mistrustful and when maybe when somebody is nice to you, you expect them that they're doing it for a reason because they want to hurt you? Well, yeah, that that does make a lot of sense because, you know, given the relationship I was in the longest in my life, you know, yeah. you, you give your life to someone and they constantly cheat on you and put you down and abuse you and assault you. Yeah, I mean, and that's the person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with, like the father of your children, and you can't even trust them. Like, how can I trust anybody else? Yeah, and when they were being nice to you, this was to manipulate you. So maybe you get the same vibe from people who are generally nice, you know, because you're like... Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense now that you say that. Yeah, because it's like, uh, you know, you're like, why are you being nice to me? Maybe they're trying to hurt you or trying to... Yeah, yeah, like case in point. case in point I was doing some trade work for another funeral home I'm not going to say any names um and he was giving me a lot of jobs and helping me out financially wise and you know he felt bad for my situation like the man has money he owns several funeral homes Mm -hmm. and he felt bad that I was going through custody without a lawyer and he was like I want to help you out and here I was thinking like he was going to do this just to be nice comes to turn out come to turn out this man literally put me on the spot and asked me for a sexual favor once he handed me the check for the appointment I had to leave to go over there to speak to a lawyer and I was like are you kidding me he's like oh come on I'll only take five minutes I'm I'm quick I promise and I'm like are you I was like no I don't want your help no thanks so it's like you think like people like that, like you think that they they feel for you and like you're working for them and helping them out mm-hmm. and they want to help you out. because They see you struggling, but then they drop that bomb on you that they expect a blowjob from you. Like what? Mm-hmm. I mean, and this give, was recent too. given <laughs> your months. given your experiences, I don't even think that uh, it's that unreasonable for you to be that mistrustful of people. That's yeah. so that's so strange, though, like. How do you run into people like that? Now, that's a very strange thing to ask. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm wondering, like, wow. You you run into a lot of shitty people. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) what happened there was I was working at this one funeral home. And the boss at the time failed to tell me and the other employee that he was selling. 
And this new owner, hang on one second. This new owner, it actually happened the day before my birthday last year. He sent me a text message and said, I closed on the funeral home and I'm not going to be needing your help. So don't come in anymore. You're going to have to find work elsewhere. Right before Christmas. Ouch. So, yeah, ouch. Um, so I scrambled. I, I found a very part-time job, which isn't cutting it. Um, but I had to take what I could get because in this business, I'm telling you, jobs are very scarce. Yeah. Um, so then I, I propositioned him. I said, hey, when you get busy, you know, can you keep me in mind? I can do the embalmings. I can do layouts. I can do whatever you need. I can go to the crematory. So he was calling me for a while to help him out. But then once he saw that, like, I was like a mom in distress, you know, worried she was going to lose her kids. He <clears throat> thought that he could. Help you? Give me money in return for favors. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not how this works. I'm sorry. No. Wait, uh, are you talking about a different guy or the same one? The same one that was going to help me out with a lawyer oh, yeah. expected a blowjob yeah no the same one i'm just explaining how i met him how i knew him oh yeah mm-hmm. sounds like men are your problem though if i listen <laughs> to everything <laughs> you think <laughs> yeah i mean kind of <laughs> yeah yeah for sure mm. yep um the one relationship i did try to have after my marriage it lasted almost a year but it where you know i would have to beg him to spend time with me that i didn't see him for two whole months and i'm like you don't live that far away i know when you're off like i shouldn't have to beg for your time and your affection and your attention and he's like well if those are needs of yours then i guess you're gonna have to go elsewhere and so i did oh. and i've been doing my own thing since if those are needs of yours mm-hmm This is yeah. a strange, strange thing to say to someone you're in a relationship like. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I, mm. Yeah, so a lot, uh, no, no real healthy, healthy relationships in my life ever, ever. Mm. That's so strange to think about though, because you keep wondering how do you attract people like that? You know, in your surroundings. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is it is it your surroundings or is it? It's dangerous to blame yourself too much, I think, to say that it's 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 me. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say that I am an empath, and I think that that does attract people to me. Like, they see me as easy to manipulate. Um, yeah. Because you're accommodating to them more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. my life <laughs> and they're like, i guess this... i'm just a target yeah oh so. they maybe they're like oh this is the perfect uh, person to ask for a blowjob right now mm -hmm. yeah they're not gonna get it but they surely ask <laughs> mm, that's fucked up man so um i guess as of today right now um Do you, I, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of stuff that's still maybe unresolved. Are mm -hmm. you, are you, I mean, uh, I imagine you're, you're still going through perhaps therapy for stuff like that. 
I've seen several therapists and I've never liked any of their methods because what they want, it's PTSD therapy. That's basically what I have. I have PTSD. A lot of things trigger me. Ah. Um, when I hear people yelling at each other, I have a major panic attack. Um, mm-hmm. Other small things that are mundane to other people will like set me off and it's, it's PTSD. I was diagnosed by two different therapists. Um, but the way they treat it is just not for me. How so? The, um, the one, the one therapist I was seeing, she would literally make me run and do jumping jacks and simulate a panic attack so that I could learn how to cope with them. Simulate a was, panic attack. Yes. Cause get your heart rate going, you know, like you can't breathe and the worst part about it was this was during COVID and she made me keep my mask on. So I, I would literally be dizzy and sick the rest of the day. And I was like, this, this, this isn't worth it for me. This is not for me. Hmm. So I think the methods they use for PTSD therapy is not very fair. (laughs) And they do this to veterans. She told me. Yeah. It it does sound like they're more focused on the, treating the symptoms of the panic mm-hmm. attack then rather than the root cause if that makes sense yes yes um and that's why she's like well maybe talk therapy is better for you and i said i've been to several therapists i've already talked about all this stuff like how much more can i possibly say you mm. know i think i think my healing needs to come from within and not from what stranger what some stranger tries to tell me what to do like I know they're professionals I'm not discounting them they're great I know they work for a lot of people yeah but at this point in my life I think that I need yeah. to work on myself and not use the help of someone else it's difficult because you know there could be a lot of like unresolved feelings mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if all of them can even be resolved because you know you have to make peace with the fact that you know I guess the unf- this is going to sound weird, but the intrinsic unfairness of life and, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that yeah. so, so many shitty things can happen to you that we're not in, even in your own control. That's a, mm-hmm. diffi- that's a difficult thing to accept, I think. It and, is. And it, it, does, is. it does seem in your situation, many of the, of the shit that you went through is not something that you, I guess, not something that you solicited, right? Like, from from when you were age four, and I guess your family did all those things to you, that's mm-hmm. in a way that's completely random, right? It's not something you could have control over being so young. That's, yeah, that's the hard part, I think. You know, because people. Yeah, the, thing of, the thing about people is when they're in danger or when, when they're traumatized, people they tend to look for answers, you know, and they're like, "Why? Mm-hmm. Well, why did this happen to you?" And sometimes you can you can answer that question. For example, maybe if some somebody, for example, commits suicide, and you can say, "Well, why?" It's because maybe they were depressed and they didn't get treatment. But for stuff like this, it's hard mm-hmm. because because there is no why, there is no answer. You know, it just happened, and you just happen to be fucked. And that's mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's what makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah, and that you, your your childhood definitely molds you into the adult you are, and that's 
that's what pisses me off like I never spoke up until after this man died and I would have loved to have had a conversation with him before that um yeah but I was I was terrified of the man he told me like if you tell anyone there's demons will come into your room and take you away and you'll never see your parents or family again and as a kid you believe that crap Mm -hmm. I watch scary movies you know like someone I trust is telling me this yeah so that's why I I never spoke up but you know hindsight 50 50 if given the chance I would have loved to confront him when I was older and say you know you 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 fucked up my childhood like you you ruined me like I was an innocent child Mm -hmm. and you put your hands on me and made me do unspeakable things to you for years years like did you not feel like do they I'll never understand especially family that does that to children I'll never understand it um I have two girls and you know, yeah. even being a sexual assault survivor, like I'm more like hyper vigilant about keeping them safe. Like I would never like mm-hmm. I always look for red flags now. Like and sometimes they say like people that were abused as children go on to be abusers. And That's, I'm like, in many no, cases, no way. And I think actually in a lot of cases, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases that does happen. Mm-hmm. I think. But um mm-hmm. Of course, what I like to say is like there's reasons and there's justifications, right? And Mm -hmm. being abused in your childhood is not a justification for abusing others. No, it's not. No, but but, no, especially when he protected his own son, my father, from exactly his pedophile friend. Like, why? Why was he protect? Why not me? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean. It's important, I guess, not to shift the blame away and say, well, I'm a victim, so that's why I behave this way. I be- I abuse people because I'm a victim. You know, that's not how it works, I think. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, no. at the same time, I do think there is a certain chance. I don't know, uh, I guess, his childhood, but I, I suppose there is a chance that maybe, just maybe, he went through stuff like that as well as a child. I mean, it's, it's dangerous to say maybe. that, that that's for sure. And uh, it definitely wouldn't mm-hmm. be a justification, but no, it tends to be a cycle sometimes, you know, that can carry over for generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And growing up, like we always thought that he was doing it to his daughter too, because she started developing a mental illness like around teenage years and she the woman ate her feeling she got up to like over 600 pounds oh my god and we and she became very reclusive and we we had a hunch that that was going on with her too with her father but we'll never know and i don't want to ask her (laughs) Hmm. you know that's too much to bring up but i i have a feeling that that's what happened to her too his own daughter it's crazy how much influence one person can have over other uh-huh. people's lives. Huh? I know. I know. Yeah. It's insane. And then to just completely shut us out from everything. Yeah. Be done with us in death. Like that was a huge slap in the face. There must be, I mean, I don't think I don't think that from a person like that you can get satisfying answers though. Even if he was alive, you would ask. I don't yeah. think I don't think there would be like a satisfying answer to why he would have done no. all of this. 
There is no excuse. There's no excuse. Mm -hmm. There's not. There's no catharsis, I suppose. That's really strange, though. Mm -hmm. It does make Mm -hmm. me wonder. You know, like I said, people, they tend to look for answers. And I, if I mm-hmm. listen to your story, a part of me is also trying to figure out, like, why, why, you know, what's mm-hmm. wrong, what makes somebody behave like that. Hmm. Yeah. It is quite strange. Yep. Yep. I used to dread sleepovers there. Let me tell you. I would beg my mom, please don't make me stay. Why? Why don't you want to stay? Well, I can't tell you. Well, yeah, I do. So it was. My impression from you, though, is that even though you went through all that shit, you haven't gone out of your way to hurt others. And I think, Mm-mm. and that is commendable, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Because a, a lot yeah. of a lot of people who at least go through the things that you go through, you know, they, they end up, I guess, perpetuating the cycle of abuse. And mm-hmm. you know what they say, if you're able to break the cycle, of generational trauma mm-hmm. that's um i guess that makes you different that may, that's that's your personal win i guess yeah it is and you know like i want to leave it on this note that you know after this wonderful thing called yeah. life that i've been living like there's been many times where i've just wanted to check out many 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 times but then I love my kids and how much they love me and how much they would hurt if I was no longer here. So, you know, they're, they're really what keeps me here because if they, if they weren't here, like I don't, I feel like I wouldn't have a purpose anymore. It does. It does sound like at least um, it does sound like that part of your life has mostly ended except for maybe the court stuff. So yeah. My yeah. my guess is that the good stuff is still waiting for you ahead of time and you're just getting out of the bad times. Yeah. Like I can't wait to see them grow up and yeah. You know, I love doing fun things with them that I didn't get to do as a child and I constantly cuddle them and tell them I love them and they're beautiful and try to, you know, hype them up because I never got that as a child. Mm-hmm. That's so a, I do think that's a testament to you though. In a way, despite all the shit that people gave you, they didn't manage to break you. Yeah. And that's yep. n- and I think that's nice. Mm-hmm. In a way. It is. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want anyone to ever feel the way I felt, so I make sure I do the complete opposite and make them feel loved and because I don't want them growing up feeling how I feel, like almost like untouchable and unlovable, and that's why I keep attracting all these clowns into my life um you i mean you you sound very self-aware about it though mm-hmm. so at some yeah. point i i think at some point you'll figure out how to do it by yourself i think yeah yeah like i said once this is all done and i can breathe again yeah and not constantly worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week or next month or next year um do you still you feel like you have to um worry about tomorrow or next week i do because um in mediation today we had we were discussing like finances and assets and debts and their father is not willing to help me purchase the vehicle that i use to get the kids back and forth to school 
So he's going to come pick it up in a couple months and surrender it. And I'm going to be left with nothing. So uh, I I guess this is where you reference the course of, so from what I hear, your ex is still not, uh, you know, hasn't made peace with the fact that you left him and still trying to drag it, drag it out. Yep. So, and then in fact, he, he texted me and he was like, you know, I would be, I would be more willing to help you if, if you didn't, put all this money on this credit card and I was like Jesse like I had no choice like uh-huh. I wasn't getting help from you I needed to buy the kids food mm-hmm. so and, yeah and, and it's been about two years I guess since you broke up it was March of 2020 yeah so that's two and a half yeah yeah two, two yep. and a half years yeah how did he respond to it not good um he would send me pictures of him crying and really yeah he's like you're gonna ruin our family and then he got then he got the paper from the court uh, over custody and child support he called me so that i wouldn't have it on a text and said if you're gonna take me to court for child support i don't want any custody at all he's like i'm gonna sign my rights over to you i was like okay well that sounds good then i won't have to deal with you anymore but then he met a girl and had to play father of the year. Oh, no. So then, yeah. Then he started backtracking and taking me back to court for custody. And he wants me to pay. I'm like, no, dude, no, not going to happen. So it's just a cycle that I feel like is never going to end until the kids so, are 18. But then college you, and marriage. Do you, have, and, do you have full custody right now? or? I have primary residential and more than 50-50. More than so 50. I have a little bit more than he does. But uh, I mean, if this is going to sound kind of rough, but the fact that a person who literally raped you still has custody over children, that's... Yeah, yeah. Can't you use that as evidence? Moment? Like, uh, you know, to show that he's not able to care for the kids? or I did put that into evidence, including all the screenshots. Uh-huh. But, you know, the awful part about this county is they used to have four judges. Now they're down to two. So they keep postponing and postponing and postponing. And they keep trying to get us to go through mediators, to go through everything and settle without seeing a judge. And I'm like, no, I need to talk to a judge. I need a judge to see the evidence. Like, I have police reports. I have text messages. I have videos of him abusing me in front of the kids and them crying. Like, why can't my story be heard? So I'm tired it's, of it's because they're understaffed or uh yes yep wow well i would yep. definitely keep persevering even if it's gonna take years because i'm yeah. pretty sure i'm pretty sure if you have evidence of all of this i'm pretty sure he's gonna lose the custody like that's pretty damning stuff right yeah. yep yep like all my friends keep telling me they're like he's the one with the lawyer not you keep yeah. dragging it out and racking up his bill he deserves it this is this may be a very personal question but uh do you think your your children like hanging out with him this may be a bit personal but uh, i hope you don't mind if i ask that they tell me that he's only nice to them when other people are around which i understand because he did it to me too really yes and they cry and scream and kick and go hide in the room and lock the door when it's time to go there and they really do not like his girlfriend. She is nasty and mean to them. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, as a as a mom, it must be really painful to give your kids to an abuser like that. It is. It is. It really yeah. is. But you know it, what's it, messed it, up? It, it kind of goes against your protective instinct, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. I mean, there this this state, the state of New Jersey, is completely backwards. Like they re- like there was recently a case in the in the news. Um, this mom had to give her son up to his father, and the father ended up killing him. Oh my god. Yeah, you see that a lot. And she petitioned the court over and over and over. Look at the bruises on my son. He has a busted lip. He has a black eye. And they still made that child go with his father. And what he did was he made him run on a treadmill until he was completely exhausted and he had a heart attack and died. He was and, like six. And the way the way custody works is that the children don't get to choose, right? Like 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 fifty percent of the time they're forced to be with the other parent even if they don't wanna. Yeah, so, unless I can prove that he's like a drug addict. Um, I have evidence that he's beating the children. Um, they really, it's it's really tough to get full custody in this state. It really is, and I feel really bad for parents here, especially because the judges are so backed up. Like, it could take years before you're even heard. I do feel like if at a certain age, as children grow up, it becomes really hard to force them. They may be young now, but you know if they 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 definitely pick up on what kind of person, for example, their their father figure is, and there will be like an age where they just outright refuse. That's what I think. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I think I think it's important, I guess, to to keep their eyes open. I guess to. Mm-hmm. You know, so they so they so they see what kind of person he is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'll just have to be that annoying person that just keeps petitioning and petitioning, motion yeah. after motion after motion, because they beg me all the time, please don't make me go, and yeah. I'm like, well, right now my hands are tied and nobody's listening to me. I'm trying. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Man, that's rough. Yeah, it is. And this is what you're, um, I guess, uh, you went to court to, I mean, you said you're going to, you were, were at court today. So is it still the same stuff? Today was going over debts and assets. Mm. Yeah, oh, sorry, your microphone uh, sounds a bit um, mumbled again. Okay, I Muffled. said today was, today was um, mediation, you know, trying to settle out of court, like, with our debts and assets that's all today was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he's not willing to help me get the car to bring the kids to and from school and me to get to work so I have to give that up to him and I'm going to be car like it's it's one thing after another like it's yeah uh, like think of your kids it's not about me I'm still going to be paying for it so you so you think he's using them like as an asset to impress his current girlfriend Yes, of course. Hmm. Of course. Until, until, in, uh, well, I, I think once an abuser, always an abuser. So it's only a matter of time before she starts to see the real person too. So we'll see. Sometimes you get people who see the other person and will be okay with it though. Especially if, yeah. if they're a toxic person too, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm the- mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's what will happen, though, but, 
Yeah, maybe if she has common sense. Have you talk, ever talked to her and uh, your history with him? Maybe you can like warn her or, or maybe would, would that be too, too much interference? Or The first time she ever reached out to me through Facebook Messenger, she sent me like a novel. She was like, I'm so in love with this person and I don't want to hear any horror stories from you. Oh, my she told God. told me straight up. Yeah, she told me straight up she didn't want to hear any bad stories. Totally blindfolded then. Yes, yes. I'm like, all right, girl, you get it. Go find out for yourself. Wow. Mm-hmm. At least courts should be able to provide evidence to the contrary. Oh, yeah. I do see, oh, I do see that quickly we have to make a new call because it's going to kick us out. I have to end okay. the meeting and we'll be back in the next one. Hey, yo, we're back. Can you all hear right. me? Yes, can you hear me? All right, all right. Let's proceed. Let's proceed where we left off. Okay. So, well, I guess we went through the whole um, court thing of your life. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess the, I guess that right now we're in the present, aren't we? We went through your early life. Uh, now, mm-hmm. we're, now we're kind of in the, your uh, in the adulthood of your life. So... I suppose that one of the things um, that I'm curious about is, um, well, where do, for example, where do you see yourself in, for example, 10 years? And how do you think these things will affect you down the line? Wow, 10 years? Yeah, for example, like your future. Well, luckily in 10 years, my kids will be of age. So hopefully, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, um, I don't. I'm I'm hoping to get a more stable job within my career, um, making better money, um, moving out of my parents' house. Mm-hmm. You know, these are some these are some more longer time goals for me. Well, not the job part, but I kind of need that to move out of mom's. But makes sense. Yeah, so you know, I'm trying. All you can do is wake up every day and just try. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also wondering, since you had so many uh, different experiences, what do you think has affected you the most? Um, for the longest time, I felt like it was, you know, losing my family in such a tragic way. Mm-hmm. Um, but grief works in funny ways because every day it hurts less and less not that I don't think about them and I don't miss them and you know think about the terrible things that happened to them um you know like that was a that was a one-time thing and it was terrible I grieved for a very long time so I'm gonna say you know the emotional damage that has been done to me by you know that my kids my children's father Mm-hmm. definitely because that is completely like yeah i mean it was such, such a huge world. part of your life you know yes so yes. many years yep yep and it's you always hear like well why didn't you just leave sooner and people don't understand like you're not always in a position to just get up and leave yeah do you i mean you were dependent on him also for a huge part weren't you yes i was stay at home mom for many years he yeah. was the one paying the bills and but that's all he did he paid the bills and bought yeah. the food i did literally everything else yeah. every bath 
every I, feeding, everything. I guess he liked to keep, did you think he liked to keep you in the, in that position, you know, just a dependent? I mean, probably yes, but. He did because when I did get a part-time job on the weekends to help out with Christmas, like he was not about that. He was like, you need to be home with your children. And it's yeah. like, it's just because you didn't want to do it. Mm. Yeah, I so, mean, uh, and he didn't want... if, you, if you have more financial freedom, it's harder to manipulate mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What yeah, would so. what would what would you say to um, women who went through, through such childhood experiences, especially at such a young age? What would you tell them? Um, so, what I tell my women or girls? Well, let me start with girls because you know yeah. I have young girls and. I constantly tell them every time, every, like not every day, like I don't want to put that on them every day, but every once in a while, I'll tell them like, if somebody's touching you and it doesn't feel right, or somebody's talking to you in a way that doesn't feel right, like if, you know, whether, whatever it is, like, you know, I know they're young and they have somewhat of a conscious of what's right and wrong, but I, I, I put it into their heads all the time. Nobody should ever be touching your privates. Nobody should ever have you be touching theirs. And I always remind them like this, like mom's a safe space. You can tell mom everything. You're not going to get in trouble regardless of what anyone else told you. Mm -hmm. Like, please speak up. So that's something I like to instill in my two daughters. Um, as an adult, like I wish I didn't believe all that nonsense. And mm -hmm. I wish I did feel like I would have been protected, but, you know, not having very nurturing parents, you know, we're, we're, we're close now, but like I said, they were young. Yeah. I felt like I didn't have that safe space to go to and talk about it. And that's why a school counselor told me first. So even if you can't like tell a family member, like at least tell someone that can help you, don't let it continue like me for six years mm -hmm. especially when you see it happening to a sibling like you gotta like it, i just wish it was instilled into people that that's just not right so would your parents usually re react uh, negatively to bad news or handle it in an inappropriate way that you made you think like uh, you cannot share stuff like that or was it because of purely because of the threats uh it was a mixture of both um you know this was back in like the 80s where corporal punishment was still a thing and oh yeah i'd get in trouble and i'd get whooped and like i i was very fearful of my parents especially my mother because if i if i did something wrong i would get backhanded i would get the wooden spoon like i was fearful of her it's not i i, I didn't respect her like that's it no i did respect her but those beatings and whatnot didn't yeah. cause me to respect her. It caused me to fear her. So I was more fearful to come out and tell her things like that, that were of importance because it was that's, scary. That's, I didn't actually, know that's a very interesting observation, you know, mm -hmm. because not many people think about the huge impact it has to, to literally hit your children. It's crazy how long it wasn't normal to do that. Actually, if you think about I it, know. it's insane. I know. I would say one little wrong thing and I would get backhanded right in the mouth every time. So I was terrified to speak up about anything. 
both my uh, my parents, I think, and my grandparents were hit by their parents, their teachers, hell, even mm -hmm. the priest, even the priest during their childhood. Like, oh, I think, yeah. I think it's often underestimated how huge of an impact it has. So I think we should be grateful to live in a time where it's become socially unacceptable to hit your yes. children. It's really yes. fucked up. It is, because I don't think inflicting violence on them is going to make them respect you. I think it's going to make them fear you and dislike yeah. you. It's also yeah. not going to make them understand your reasons, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think you can reason with a child. You can make them understand why what they did was wrong. But if, yes. you, if you beat them, I don't think they will be able to, uh, to contemplate it and think, well, I did something wrong. Instead, they'll just be vindictive, yeah. you know? Yes. Like when my children do bad things, which is very rare, I got very lucky with two good children. I always found that, you know, kneeling down and getting eye to eye with them and being calm and explaining to them like, hey, what you did was wrong. You can't do that. And that has a much better impact than whipping them with a belt or a spoon yeah. or hitting them. No, I'm not. I'm not about that. It's, it's also it's butter. also it's also hard to see somebody's point of view if they're hurting you right you're gonna see them uh -huh. as a, as an opponent not as somebody you want to agree with they're gonna exactly. be like exactly yeah. yeah so like if you have children girls or boys just talk to them like let them know like hey you can tell me anything i don't care if someone told you something bad will happen because it's not like i'm here to protect you Mm -hmm. Don't you don't have to be afraid to tell me anything. That makes a That's lot of so sense. That's so important as parents. Mm -hmm. Is this crazy to think about, though? Because to me, it's just so shocking to think that one person can run into so many abusive men in one lifetime. Mm -hmm. For me, maybe this sounds weird, but at some level, to me, it's just I don't know. I guess it's, it's, it's food for thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but I feel like mm -hmm. all this toxicity and all this negativity was not so prevalent back yeah. when I was growing up. I feel like, you know, the internet and social media has made it a lot easier to abuse mm -hmm. people. You know, like you see all these forums where the, you know, people are uploading pictures, like private photos that girls send to them that they, mm -hmm. you know, they think they can trust them. But no, it's terrible. It's much easier to get to people today. On the other hand, it's a, a social media also makes it easier to speak up. Mm -hmm. It does. It's, for me, it's just hard to fathom because, uh, you know, I'm a man. And for me, most of my experiences with men, of course, are positive. But it, it makes you wonder: like, is there an other side to them that they don't show me, and that they only show to that they only show to women? You know, it's possible. You never know. You you honestly don't know what happens behind closed doors. You don't. So like I said, everyone thought we were this happy married couple, and no, behind closed yeah. doors, it was awful. So why why do you? This is maybe a strange question, but why do you think? that a lot of men i guess sh show such behavior i'm talking about sexual abuse why do you think they they do it do you have any idea on that 
Um, I think in the marriage aspect, a lot of, not a lot, but I'm sure some married men feel like, you know, you're my wife and you're supposed to do this. Um, like, 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 I don't know if you do the whole TikTok thing, but I've, I've been seeing a, a video going around a lot, like where this woman is saying, if you withhold sex from your husband, that's as bad as withholding food and drink. Like, okay, well, he's not going to die from not having sex, but he's going to die if you starve him and don't give him something to drink. So why is that even being comparable? I've definitely seen some cringe on TikTok, especially people like Andrew Tate, you know, spreading stuff like that. I oh haven't, God! I haven't, uh, I, ha- I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it come from women yet, though. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that's true. Actually, I think uh, I think there is um, definitely some level of, you know, the idea that when you marry someone, that it's their duty to to like put out, you know, because yeah. de- they become yours, and uh, you know. Yeah, that's your yeah, that's your ex, duty as a wife. Yeah, my it got to the point where my ex he would mark on the calendar when he got any, and he really? would point out like it's been yeah he he would be like it's been six months, and I'm like okay and you've been a dick for the past six months. What do you want me to say? <laughs> that's so yeah. crazy though. That's mark really it on petty. The it must it yeah. must it must suck to be someone who only thinks about sex to not get any sex so yeah yeah that's why he started seeking it elsewhere mm. yeah. yeah and his excuse was oh it was just talking i wasn't gonna meet them or doing anything and i'm like it's still cheating you're still sending pictures of your privates to other ladies yeah it's just so weird because uh you know, at one hand, I guess sex is nice, but how is it worth ruining your life over? You know, I don't understand. To me, that's yeah. a, a bit of a weird concept, you know, like, yeah, like you have, okay, you have eight, eight seconds of pleasure or something. Is that worth like fucking somebody's life over for? I don't know. Maybe I'm rambling a little bit here. But, no, uh, you're not, but you know it's what? It's a bit blunt, you, but yeah. <laughs> you saying that, you, you, you described my marriage yeah and it got to the point at the end like i felt violated when he touched me like i would literally lay there and cry and like dig my fingernails so deep into my into my palms that they would bleed i felt like i was being violated i hated it i mean technically you were so yeah 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 it's like i'm not even enjoying this why why am i doing this for him Mm-hmm. it should be about both of us yeah so um so what i mean uh, one one final question that i would like to ask you maybe but this is maybe a very difficult one to answer okay. but um I mean, I think you are somebody who definitely understands the relation between childhood and adulthood much better than most other people. Mm-hmm. I guess, how much of your experiences would you... I'm not saying that you that, that, that you need to blame, need to find blame for everything that happens to you, but how much of your experiences do you think come down to your childhood? And how much of them would you quote-unquote blame, I guess, for things that happened later in your life? Does that make sense or does it sound convoluted if I phrase it this way? 
it does make sense because once I hit like my teen years, like oh god, I think I lost my virginity when I was twelve. I became wow. like hypersexual for a very long time, and yeah. I calmed down once I met my ex when I was nineteen. But in those seven years, like I was just constantly seeking out attention. Mm-hmm. Like didn't care who it was. I just I just craved and needed that attention. So. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel that that stems from being abused as a child. Absolutely, I think it does. Yeah, it's, I mean. But then, as I got older, I was like, eh, maybe this isn't the right way to go about it. Lots of people don't give enough credits for how much it shapes your worldviews, I guess, and to some extent, yeah. even a part of your personality, maybe. So yeah. Yep. Definitely. So, um, so if I put everything in order, I think we've, we've been over, I guess, most of the things in your life. Um, yeah. Is there anything you would like to add or maybe ask me in return or something that you, we haven't brought up yet that you would like to be in the podcast? Uh, I think we pretty much covered everything from like, you know, birth, like me, me knowing that my own mother didn't want me like that mm-hmm. that pretty much started everything and then you know family you think you could trust and you can't and then you yeah. fall in love with someone you think you could trust but you can't like it's just like a cycle and that's just pretty much been my entire life so far mm-hmm. so i guess that's that's about it i mean we could always revisit because i'm sure more crap's gonna happen <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, my my takeaway from all of this is that you are somebody who has broken the cycle. And I hope that happens for you. And I hope that happens for your children. Because, you know, I wouldn't, I I would almost be inclined to say that, you know, um, I wouldn't say that like, oh, everything was worth it. But you definitely showed character and didn't let the people who tried to ruin your life win. Because I think, you know, when, when you become an abuser, that's when you let the abusers win, right? In yes. some way. That's that's when you give them power. That's when you succumb to them. Yes. And you didn't do that. So in a way, in a way, you've won. That's what I think. In yeah. a certain way. Mm-hmm. And one last thing I want to add before we go. Um, before I left, I would literally look him in the eyes and say, when your children grow up, do you want them to pick a man just like you to spend their life with? And he didn't have an answer for me. No. Ever. No, of course not. Because he knew, no, I don't want that for them. No. So he knew. He, he knew there would be instances where he would write me lengthy text messages. Couldn't even say yeah. it to my face. He would text it to me. I'm sorry for being such a piece of shit to you. I'll try not to be such a scumbag, but don't mm-hmm. count on it. Those literal words. Wow. Yeah. In a way, it's also just a person who needs help, I guess. I don't know his background, but uh, it's a cycle. It is. It's a cycle. That's the takeaway from everything. So, yeah, Um, I think I think we've been through everything, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hoping that if anyone who listens to this and had a similar experience, like they feel like it's going to get better. You, you, mm-hmm. you can eventually leave. You're not stuck forever. 
Yeah. You know, reach out, try to find resources. Even if you have to go back to mom and dad as much as you don't want to, it's better than the latter. Just do what you can. Well, then I would like to thank you, I guess, for sharing your story and being so open on it uh, on the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Well, thank and, you um, for having me. And if there's nothing we would like to add, then um, I guess we're going to end the episode. Thank you very much. Uh, it's amazing how open you've been about your story. And I hope that there's people listening to it that can also learn some valuable lessons from it. Yeah, definitely. I hope so, too. That's why that's why I was eager to share. Thank you, Ryan and uh, Ryanon. And until maybe next time. Ciao, ciao. Yeah, maybe Thanks next time sharing. something else happens, I'll hit you up. <laughs> we can continue. <laughs> Well, hopefully, you, hopefully a- not in a certain way, you know. Yeah, I hope yeah. not. Fingers crossed, but you never know. Life works in funny ways, doesn't it? It does. I'm crossing my fingers for you, baby. That helps. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate yours too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.